Welcome back to Bunch of Talks in the Inaka. I'm Linda. And I'm Kana. I, I almost said I'm Linda. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I almost said welcome to two ladies. <laughs> Let's just keep this in there. Okay. Um, yeah, so Kana, welcome back with us. Uh, it's been a while, we know. We record and then edit and put it out um, once every two months is approximately the timeline right now. So to all our friends looking for more episodes, please bear with us for the long time it takes us. Yeah, and so I, I guess our last episode, we were in in summer, and now we've transitioned to autumn or fall. And uh, what are some recent updates and coming cuts that we wanted to share with people listening? Well, there's been so much going on. I think, you know, apart from, of course, summer, there's a lot of planting um, with farming, but with the fall is the harvesting. And so that becomes the moment where you see the fruit of all your labor. Uh, so one thing we did finish first in the end of summer was our tea. So we talked a lot about our awabancha tea in the last episode. And in the beginning of September, we, we already finished making the tea and then we dried the tea. And how was that process for you this year, Kana? Yeah, it was tough. I think the thing about harvesting is it's so, I mean, and everything to do with planting and doing things in nature is that the timing is so difficult. And so we had planned to do it, um, you know, on a certain date. And then there was a typhoon that came through to Kamikatsu. And so we had to finish that right before the typhoon. And so it's really listening to nature and then responding to what, you know, she decides in the moment. And so it was great because we finished drying just before the typhoon. And uh, we successfully finished about 7.5 kilos of tea, which is about double of what we made last year. So yay to us. Yay. yay. And this year was also because we had so much more help. I mean, last year when we first started it, it was just me and Kana working by ourselves. And this year we were fortunate enough to have some friends come. And then they helped us harvest a lot more leaves. And then also with the drying process as well. So just a little recap, the when we mentioned the drying of the tea, um, so because we harvest it, and in the harvesting process, all the tea gets pressed down. And then the, har- uh, the drying means that we need to open each individual tea leaf up and unfold it. And when you have 7.5 kilos of tea, that's a lot of leaves. So it takes, I think you have, when do you wake up again? Like- yeah, you start actually before the sun rises because you want to have them laid open on the ground before the sun comes. So you like maximize the time um, of the leaves being outside under the sun. And so we wake up before sunrise. I think um, I was up around 530 other farmers get up at four yeah, and they're doing this constantly because they have a lot more volume. And so, and again, as Connor mentioned, you know, if it's raining, then that day you can't dry your tea and then you have to put all the leaves back in. So it really is, a, you know, the handmade, it's not just handmade, it's also nature made. We have to just go by whatever is actually happening around us. We just finished our tea and we also just finished our rice harvest. Actually, we didn't finish all of our rice harvest. We mm-hmm. planted two types of rice and one grew a little bit faster than the other. And so mm-hmm. one is still growing. And so we haven't um, harvested the half half of our rice. Um, but for the first half that we did harvest, which um, we cut down the stalks of rice about two weeks ago and they were drying and we just received um, the semi-polished grains of rice back. 
Yeah, it was really exciting because this year we were able to collaborate with、uh, Narumi Farms, which is an organic farmer in Kamikatsu, and she also focuses a lot on natural farming. And so, because it was our own rice field, we could really experiment with the kind of rice we wanted to try. And so, she really wanted to use this type of rice called asahi, which is an heirloom seed. And so the asahi we planted half because we actually didn't have enough rice seedlings in the spring because they grew up so slowly, and so we used、um, that as half of our rice field, and then regular rice as the other half. And so as Kana mentioned, the regular rice we've been able to harvest, but the asahi is still growing strong. And we were so proud that they were actually even able to survive the typhoon when it came, because we were so worried that it was so close to harvest and that the typhoon would just wipe everything out. But thankfully, that didn't happen. I think something I love about rice harvesting is, you know, unlike the tea, we didn't actually plant the tea leaves. You know, we just cultivate it from from nature every year,、um, which is so great. But you know, with the rice harvest, we planted it from seedlings, and then we saw it grow up, and so it was something really special, like being able to start from really just the seed and back to the rice.、Mm. Um, I really enjoyed. Harvesting and rice is something I've eaten since I was a kid. I think you have as well.、Mm. You know, almost every single day,、mm-hmm. it's kind of the staple. And to have eaten something for so most of my adult life up until now, and to not really know the process of how rice was made,、um, I just feel like an extreme amount of gratitude and respect for every single grain of rice.、Mm. And even when we were first planting, I mean. It, it might seem so obvious, but when we were first planting, we just had a bag of rice, and then、yeah. that was the seedling to start plant, you know, growing the next batch of rice. And so that was such a mind, like it was as mind blowing because <laughs> we're like, oh wait, of course, because this is the seed.、Yeah. And so we literally just took rice that was, you know, unmilled, and then spread it across dirt. And then from that, the seedlings grew, which then we planted into our rice field. So it's really seeing that whole process again of knowing that, like, you know, the end product becomes the new product again. But because we just constantly eat it as the end product, we've never been able to see it as、yeah. the full circle. I mean, we talk about like circularity of products,、mm-hmm. but like food is circular too. We、mm-hmm. also only kind of see it as linear when we only purchase from the supermarket, and then we consume it, and that's the end.、Mm-hmm. But when you do things like composting, and when you do things like planting and growing, you see the circularity of food as well.、Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the next thing would be interesting to see how wheat is grown. Because I know like、mm-hmm. friends of ours who have also like milled their own wheat, but you know e- again eating bread and you're just so used to buying flour directly from the store, and like I mean kind of now makes her own bread, which is amazing.、Um, but just like seeing the whole process like, from zero and then knowing that this then becomes flour、yeah. would also be kind of <laughs> cool to see. Yeah. Anything else that's been happening? Well, last weekend we celebrated Canadian Thanksgiving. Emphasis on Canadian, since Linda <laughs> and I are both Canadian, and this isn't American. <laughs> we honestly didn't know that. Amer- like I, when I was living in Canada, I didn't know that like American Thanksgiving was different. And then being abroad, and people like, especially speaking to Americans, and they're like, "Oh, your Thanksgiving is so early." I'm like, "Wait, when is your Thanksgiving?" <laughs> and then that's when I really realized there's like such a difference. But,、yeah. but I would say like. What was more interesting than the differences between American, since we also had some American friends join us this time, is the concept that like Thanksgiving doesn't exist around the world either. You know,、mm. so 
in, in Europe, they don't do Thanksgiving, and certainly not in Japan, they don't、mm. do Thanksgiving. And so the concept is also just very foreign and strange. And I think、um, something that we've been doing in our Thanksgiving, celebrating them together in Kamikatsu, is going around the table and saying what we're thankful for.、Mm. You know, and every year we hear, like, you know, I never reflect on what I'm grateful for and、mm. I never vocalize that, and、yeah. share. And so hearing those answers are so special. It's really amazing because, you know, some of our friends who've been with us for four years now, who've done this every year with us, they always talk about how they're so nervous because they know Thanksgiving is coming up. So they're preparing <laughs> like their speech beforehand. And I think, you know, I mean, like growing up in Canada, that because it happens every year, we don't always think about the actual meaning of Thanksgiving,、um, of course, apart from the historical aspect, but just the giving thanks. And so it, re- it really was so special bringing it to Kamikatsu because I think we kind of narrowed it down. To the best parts of the holiday, you know, which is just all having, you know, family and friends gathering together and then speaking about the things that they're thankful for、mm-hmm. and also sharing this huge bounty of food. I mean, we're just, it's, it's amazing, right? How in that moment you realize how lucky you are to be able to have that much to eat and to be able to share it with all these people that you love.、Mm-hmm. It's really special. It's a special time. Yeah, I really enjoyed it.、Mm. Um, anything, any last updates? And the last one, so. Canadian Thanksgiving is a celebration, but then there's also the Kamikatsu celebration, or I guess countryside celebrations all over Japan. And not just the countryside, but everywhere in Japan, there's the fall matsuri. And so we kind of mentioned matsuri in the last episode with the summer matsuri, which is the summer festivals. And then the fall festivals are focusing around the harvest.、Mm-hmm. And it's funny because almost like this past month, I would always say I'm either doing something like You know, harvesting rice, or I'm either practicing at Matsuri. So, like, you know,、mm-hmm. in preparation、What、for these practicing. Yeah, in preparation for these festivals,、um, there is what's called the Danjiri. It's a gathering of instruments, and we play、um, in it's kind of like the BGM of festivals, you know, <laughs> it's just <laughs> in the background. It is because、yeah. it's like to welcome the gods, you know,、right. for the festivals. And so we, yeah, we are, we are the band in the, in the festivals, basically, and、um, practicing different instruments in preparation for that. It was really special because a year ago,、um, I was invited to practice taiko.、Uh, taiko is the big drum that was imported to Japan from China, I believe, but now it's everywhere in Japan. And I remember being in that community room and watching. Um, the women practice. So, actually, this was a special point because in that community, only men were allowed to play taiko for the longest time. But then, when the population super declined,、um, they started asking children to play taiko. But then, when there were not enough children either, that's when they were like, okay, does any woman want to play taiko? But then, from that, it has actually evolved into a women's only taiko group that has been founded there. And so, when I was in that room watching them play, you know, Many of the people were related to each other. Many of them were from the same community, so they have grown up next to each other. And in that moment, I really felt this tying of roots, of really understanding like, where you're from and through these traditions that you do every year and that is passed down from one generation to the next. I think growing up you know, from a Western country where my family had immigrated to, and knowing many kids and many families like that, where I think they call, you know, we call ourselves third. Generation kids and not really having any of those roots or any ties. And to be able to see that, I definitely felt quite jealous. And it was just so special to also like witness that and understand oh, 
this is a lifestyle that I actually mm-hmm. really wish I have. Like, yeah. Um, Maybe jealousy isn't the right word or like envy for, yeah. you know, for having having those like long um, and deep-rooted connections mm. to a place. And yeah, someone who who's a little bit more, you know, transient mm. by because of our parents' choices and our own choices, you know. But to see that and see um, that people still decide to preserve that and mm. carry on these traditions is something, um, yeah, that we both talked about with, with yeah, envy. Mm. Yeah. And especially like speaking about the preserving of tradition. So with these matsuris, of course, they were something that have gone on for hundreds of years. Um, however, with the depopulation, you know, that has caused a huge effect on the amount of people, you know, like, like I mentioned in that previous story, the only reason why women were allowed to join was because there were fewer and fewer men every year to be able to play. And I know you had the same experience at your matsuri as well. Yeah, so actually today was a matsuri um, for this area called Fukuhara. And um, yesterday was also, you know, part one of the matsuri. And yesterday I found out that, you know, about eight years ago, this um, matsuri was in, in critical danger of not existing anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, similar to what Linda said, it was just an issue of depopulation and an issue of not enough people participating because it requires, you know, a lot of people to help um, volunteer their time to set up to... How often did you have to practice? <laughs> we practiced twice a week for about a month. <laughs> yeah, so it was very intense. Um, and... Yeah, just going back to this story about eight years ago, you know, there was almost nobody left and um, they thought, you know, this might be the last year it ever exists again. So let's record it. Wow. And they recorded it with like, you know, video and sound. And then the year after that, they actually just played it on the speaker mm. system because there was just not enough people. And um, uh, one of the people who's not local here, but moved here about 10 years ago said, I want to kind of revitalize this tradition. Mm. And, and again, like the preserve it it's kind of like the whole idea you know you don't always notice the things in your own backyard right so if you live here and this has been something that's going on every year it doesn't um maybe hold as much importance to what is happening currently in your life but coming from the outside and seeing this um for us it's something very special and because in our own lives we don't have these kinds of traditions it becomes something that we want to protect because to lose that would be such a loss and so i think you know, what was crazy or great about this year's Matsuri was that there were so many people gathered there and many of them were not local. And so it was kind of creating this new tradition by mixing everyone together, you know, having the old elderly locals teaching the new people and then everybody enjoying it together. And so that is in a way, you know, hopefully protecting it for the next generations. Yeah. And I think just as a final point to to the Matsuri, I think it also speaks about how things change over time. Mm. Um, You said that, you know, before it was only men and here too, uh, it was a very strict tradition that you had to participate in. There was a lot of hierarchy and you had to, you know, pour sake for your elders and these Mm. kind of things. And, and some of the local kind of heroes who said, you know, this, this needs to change said, I want this to be something that's fun. And Mm. then it became something that was just much more inviting to um, people from the outside and then people from the outside respecting it and valuing it. You know, I think it's the combination of both this um, flexibility to change and while holding on to roots and tradition Mm. that allowed it to kind of take shape in a different form, um, but continue onwards. Mm, That's a very good point. (laughs) 
Okay, so I think those are all of our updates for <laughs> it's now. A long update. It's almost <laughs> yeah. the whole podcast. Um, and just going into our main section. So you did mention change, Kana, and we wanted to talk a little bit about change. It's also a fall going into winter now, and of course, the changing of the seasons is a constant thing that. Um, luckily, we get to experience firsthand living in the countryside because you're so in contact with nature. The things you eat change. Um, but what has been changing in your own life, Kana? Oh, turning this to me first. Yeah, I think it was. Um you know, talking about change is so scary, but change is a constant, and mm-hmm. we experience change all the time. And you're right that I think um, nature is such a good reminder of the constant change. Um, for me, it's been really exciting changes. Of course, there are adjustments, but they're very exciting changes. My sister moved to Kamikatsu two months ago, um, and she's here for the year, taking a year off work. Um, and my partner, Sil. <laughs> Has also just moved to Kamikatsu. <laughs> has also just moved to Kamikatsu, and so I have two very, very loved ones in Kamikatsu with me, and it feels so strange and crazy and wonderful all in this, all at the same time. I think um, Kamikatsu has been something that I have, you know, grown a lot of affection and love for, and to be able to share it with people I also have a lot of love and affection for um, is something very special, but also something very strange. And um, I think I have to change because um, I'm no longer, you know, kind of receiving all these gifts, but I get to give all the Mm. gifts that I've received back to um, the people who are here for the first time. And so I do feel like a lot of uh, attention and care in Mm. a different way. I think the last two years have been very carefree, you know, Mm. just enjoying it for myself and with you, Linda. Um, And so that has, yeah, that that has been the main change for me. That's a lot of like a lot of responsibility. <laughs> oh, but I, wow. Well, I'm really happy for you. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> thank you. Oh, I know how you like what you mean though, because you know something about kamikatsu be, because like it's something we've always been sharing, right? Like online, right. on media, right. something that we talk to our friends about. But then to actually have someone come, and then then it's it's almost more real in a way because then you're like, oh, like my life like in here and my life out there is now mixing. Yeah. And there is no more out and in and it's just one life. Yeah, and I think like the first two years being here, I felt always kind of a bit more on the outside. And Mm -hmm. so I was like experiencing it through other locals. And I see that how when they're here with me, I'm the local. So Mm -hmm. it feels like the like the narrative or the frame or where I am in relation to Kamikatsu has changed. Mm. And I, although you're right, because we have been doing this for our work, what we do is guiding in Kamikatsu. But it is very different when, you know, you spend day to day Mm. with people um, and also with their intention to be here for for a much longer time. Mm -hmm. And Linda, (laughs) what's your change? Um, I guess the biggest change in my life is that my partner lives in Tokyo. And so starting next year, I'm planning to move to Tokyo to be with him. And for everyone who's listening, I have a really sad face on. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually kind of crazy because this has been in the works for a year now. Yeah, right? So actually, been. the original plan was that I would move this year at the beginning of the year. But it took me this long to get ready for that because... I really thought I was ready, and then I realized I wasn't, and that I did not want to leave Kamikatsu. 
Um, and then I realized that I am ready because I don't feel like, in a way, I'm actually leaving Kamikatsu. Because this year I've also traveled between Tokyo and Kamikatsu so much, I realized how close they are. I mean, for anyone listening from Tokyo, it's really not that far. Um, of course, it's just a night bus away.、Um, take the night bus, not the, not the plane. But, anyways, <laughs> I, I think, you know, when something is going wrong in your life or when something is hard, it's really easy to understand, oh, I need to change.、Um, but when something is going really good and when something is really, you know, joyful and bringing so much. Like happiness to you, it's hard to then say, I'm going to leave this and go to the next thing.、Um, like you mentioned, you know, change is always scary because you're stepping into the unknown away from something that you have known, whether that has even been good or bad.、Um, but I guess in a way, it feels like, like moving forwards,、um, excited. But I also, in a way, Don't feel like I need to let Kamikatsu go anymore. It doesn't feel like it's this black and white line where, you know, once I leave the Kamikatsu tunnel, the door is going to shut behind me、mm-hmm. and then I'm not going to know the password anymore. <laughs> it's more like I'm going to invite something more into my life. So, yeah, instead of having less, it's like an, adding an extra thing. But Kamikatsu is still with me and what, it's still there. What parts of Kamikatsu do you want to keep with you through this change? I mean, you. <laughs> so Was think, that a leading question? <laughs> I think, like, I think, <laughs> that's like a confession. <laughs> I love you. <laughs>、um, so I, feel like, I feel like, you know, one of the things we just, like, I really felt this time doing Thanksgiving was that it really doesn't, I mean, a place matters, but people matter more. And so I think. It's just the, the relationships that I've built here, right? I mean, the beautiful thing about Matsuri this、uh, fall, like season two, is just being around all these people that you're like, I have so much love for you, you know, as a community. And like being here and being invited, it's just this feeling that is created. Because you can have a relationship with a person, but you can also have relationships with multiple people together. And as a unit, you know, that. That feeling is almost something we don't always like, prioritize because we're so used to saying people to people, like one on one relationships are so important that we forget that there's a whole community of people that can create just as much love. Yeah, I think,、mm-hmm. I mean, and speaking, like kind of tying this back into living in the countryside, for me, it's been、um, that the realization that community, you know, takes a lot of effort to maintain.、Mm-hmm. Um, but Can provide so much you know, comfort and support in return.、Mm-hmm. And I've never had to nurture kind of the sense of community in a, in a much broader sense than a person to person. And it's,、um, yeah, it's always going to be here. And I hope you return. <laughs> of course I will. I mean, I think, you know, going forwards into Tokyo, like the reason why I wanted to leave Tokyo the first time was because I had no sense of community and I felt completely cut off. You know, even on a person to person level. And so I feel like going forwards, going into the city again, that's what I want to maintain is the sense of giving. You know, that community doesn't just start by others giving to you, but actually it starts by you giving to them and then hoping that creates the knock on effect of other people then caring for other people, others, others and others and others and having a knock on effect.、Mm-hmm. So, but then also, you know, I know you're here and 
you're always with me <laughs> and you can be with me anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so I think, again, change also, you, you said this to me, is that, you know, no change is permanent either. Like change is always happening. And so knowing what matters to you, you carry that forwards. And it doesn't matter the place, it's the relationships <laughs> and the people. And yeah, I think that makes me feel safe going forwards. Yeah, I, I think that... Um, you know, this podcast, this episode and last episode too, you know, last episode we talked about the hardships, but I think um, talking about things that are really real and a little bit deeper um, have been really meaningful to us. And so I'm glad to have talked about change as apprehensive as I was to talk about this topic. <laughs> but thank you for sharing so much about what you're going through. And yeah, this season of change. <laughs> it is. Thank you for making a safe space to talk about this. I mean, basically, that's our shumi. That's our hobby. It's just talking. And with that, we're going to move on to the recommendation section of our podcast. And let's start with the climate recommendation. Kana, would you like to tell us? Sure. So, um, you know, when we kind of discuss and decide what we want to share about climate, something that has, that we've been talking about a lot in relation to climate is, um, tourism and travel. Of course, we're in the business of tourism and travel. Um, but also very recently, October 11th, the borders of Japan have opened mm -hmm. to pre-pandemic, um, regulations and rules. So, um, most countries are visa free to come here for 90 days. Mm -hmm. And so we've been discussing, you know, how that impacts our business and how can we think about, you know, travel and tourism from a sustainability or climate-friendly perspective. Mm. And we don't have the answers. Mm. Um, and we, and you know, this is why this is an ongoing discussion for us. But I think it's just prompting um, you to maybe think about, you know, different ways that you can think about sustainability in relationship to travel. Mm. I mean, of course, one of the biggest problems with travel is airfare and not airfare. I mean, airfare is expensive. <laughs> but also just the CO2, the emissions of flying. And I think... You know, because right now travel is a luxury um, and it has so many benefits and, and, you know, increasing relationships between people. Um, but when we think about climate change and we think about it as a CO2 matter, then of course flying in itself is going against what we're trying to achieve by lowering emissions. Um, and this is, you know, coming from us with you know where we're directly benefiting from people traveling and being able to join our programs and so we're not necessarily saying that like we're not trying to judge anyone i mean we ourselves also fly so this would be hypocritical of us to say that this is just bad it's more just thinking about and being aware that if this is a problem like what are the right next steps you know and I think we think about sustainability much more broader than, you know, just the modes of transportation. Mm -hmm. Of course, I think when we're thinking and only talking about modes of transportation, then we should uh, think about alternative transportation mm -hmm. than flying. Um, but sustainability on a broader broader level can also mean, you know, how is um, 
your money supporting local economies or how are you helping preserve local traditions or cultures? And I think, um, again, this is not, uh, we don't have recommendations on mm -hmm. how to like quote unquote do sustainable travel, whether even that's possible, but mm -hmm. to be more mindful as we're heading into the season where, um, you know, the pandemic is more or less behind us. And we once again have this privilege of traveling or mm. most of us have this privilege of traveling to think about um, could we do it a bit more mindfully or mm. could we consume um, with a bit more intention and thinking about those aspects like transport or culture or mm. finance. Mm -hmm. I mean at the end of the day it just means that if we keep doing things the way we have been doing then nothing is going to change and we already know that this is not the path that we want to be on. So if we want to change that path then what can we give up? You know, what kind of heart, like not even hardships, but just what can we quote unquote sacrifice for the greater good? Because the greater good is going to be our own good anyways in mm -hmm. the end. Mm -hmm. So no real answers, but just being yeah. more mindful for us, you know, reminder for us. And we just wanted to share that. Yeah. Okay. okay. Personal recommendations. Okay. Linda? Well, so in September, I actually had the pleasure of joining another Vipassana course um, in Chiba. And Vipassana is a meditation and it's actually available all over the world uh, for free. And it's teaching you within a 10 day course um, how to be more aware of yourself. And Vipassana actually just means insight meditation. And so the whole point of it is to learn and understand yourself better. Um, and for me, you know, this has been the path that I've been on. Um, and this is my fifth time taking the course and I really feel like if you know nothing else is more important than this path that I'm on through meditation and the lessons that I've learned there has really just given me so much more peace in my own life and so much more mindfulness and awareness. Um, and so I definitely recommend if anyone is curious about meditation and wants to know more, we will have a link towards Vipassana and you can read on their website, you know, all the information. And again, they have them all over the world and they are free. So I really do hope that you will try one. And Kana? Okay. Um, I have I have a recommendation that's quite local and a recommendation that's a bit more broad. So um, the local recommendation is only accessible to people who have the chance to visit Kamikatsu. But re really recently, um, the local bar called Bar Irori um, started producing um, amazake, which is a non-alcoholic beverage from fermented rice. And they're in the process of obtaining their sake, li uh, their liquor license, so that they could sell sake, which is um, a liquor made from rice. And so rice is, you know, sadly not very profitable and not profitable in kamikatsu particularly. And um, you know, it just takes a lot of work to maintain the terrace rice fields. And so um, an in initiative that the bar had was to create. Um, doburoku and doburoku is really an ancient form of sake, like one of the most ancient forms of sake, and it's very like a uh, ubiquitous with the countryside, with the rural countryside, and so they're uh, creating this delicious, delicious fermented non-alcoholic beverage, and soon um, sake as well. And so I, you can only purchase it right now in Kamikatsu. So if you come by, I definitely recommend picking up a bottle. What is it called? The name of the. What's it 
You can't miss it. There's a smiling man holding a bottle. And that is their advertisement. Just look for the smiling just, man. Just says, Kami Katsu Amazake. Oh. I'm sure that there's a name. I'm sorry that I, I haven't. It's very, very new. And so um, look out for it if you get a chance to visit Kami Katsu. My second recommendation, it is the season of knitting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so pick up your knitting needles or your crochet needle and uh, enjoy this timeless hobby called knitting. <laughs> <laughs> it really is timeless for anyone who's ever been cold and needed a new sweater or a hat or a scarf. Hopefully you'll make those things before spring comes. <laughs> um, my sister just made a cute little knitting knitted pouch for her airpods and you know it's just it's just there's a lot of little things you can get and if you start really fast and right now you could make it for christmas gifts <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good reminder but by the time we put this out it'll probably be already end of november <laughs> well that's all our time for today thank you so much for joining us again and well, as always please send us any questions you want to know about kamikotsu we're always happy to be in dialogue with our listeners yes and i know that sounds like so cliche for mm-hmm. anyone who does podcasts or you know content at all online but we are so touched when people tell us that they listen to this episode and um if something you know resonated with you or you know you had ideas or thoughts or questions it is just so touching and most of it is our friends so thank you so much to the people who care about us and who listen to this and support this thank you shout out to erica shout out to yan thank you guys (laughs) thank you for your feedback (laughs) thanks mom (laughs) all right and Bye. That's a wrap. Bye. <laughs>